Today we're going to continue on something we started last week. Um, so this is really, it's really mine part two. We're still talking about our inheritance, but we've been talking about privileges and advantages and about grace. And we started talking about being in the bubble last week, the bubble of grace. And so we're going to continue on with that. Uh, we're going to talk about how to enter the bubble today. Okay, so y'all believe with me. Uh, aren't you glad we're not limited to what I know? Right? The Holy Spirit's our teacher. Okay? Which is good, because if we were limited to what I know, we'd all be in trouble. We'll just think of how much trouble we'd be in if we were limited to what you know. <laughs> we're, all, we're, all, we're all kings and priests. It's all right. Right? We all need to be taught. Okay? So believe with me. Heavenly Father, we all come into agreement, believe in you, that you'll show up and get us answers to questions today, that you'll, uh, you'll anoint me, that you'll give me utterance, that if I mess it up in the saying, Father, you fix it in the hearing before it gets downrange. Holy Spirit, I thank you for teaching us stuff that we don't know. I thank you for the spirit of wisdom, revealed knowledge. I thank you that you enlighten the eyes of our understanding and that we would make course changes in our life today. We just wouldn't be challenged, but we want to make changes. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, we've uh, rule of righteousness number seven is uh, that righteousness guards the beneficiary, the heir is the real owner. We've been talking about glory. We're going to flip through the glory slides. There's a couple up here just to, so you remember what they are. If you didn't get the pass, there's CDs and stuff online so you can see what they are. I'm not going to list them all. There's the first one. Flip it for me, Trey. And then so you got wealth, entourage, commerce, military power, wisdom, promotion, and superiority. And then dignity, authority, nobility, valor, splendor, majesty, magnificence, and we're on privileges and advantages, okay? So that's where we're going to start off. And so we saw that privileges literally meant this private law. Uh, it's like getting the immunity necklace on Survivor. Private law. And here, here's, a, here's a classic example of private law, right? You know the guy that turns state's evidence? They get immunity. You know, really, the law is that that guy should go to jail. But because he turns on his buddies, they cut a private deal, and then he gets immunity. Okay? We all should, we want to live by private law. We should want to. I don't want to stand in line with all the rest of the scales. You know, I don't want to sit in general admission seating. If I go to the Super Bowl, I want to be in the owner's box where they have surf and turf. Well, we should be living there. We're kings and priests. Kings don't, kings don't sit up in the nosebleed section, do they? No. Okay. Then the next thing we saw was advantages. It's a favorable and or a superior position. It's beneficial factor or a combination of factors. Okay. And then we saw the Bible word for this is grace and favor. There's a Hebrew word, and there's one Greek word. The Greek word is haris, and the Hebrew word is shen. They're both translated grace and favor. Everywhere you see grace and favor in the Bible, it is these two words, privileges and advantages. Okay? I'll read it to you out of the uh, lexicons so that you know exactly what uh, those Greek and Hebrew words mean. It means that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech, goodwill. I mean, you know, if somebody has goodwill towards you, that's favor. Right? Loving kindness, favor, a gift. A benefit, bounty, services, favors, recompense, and reward. Now, this almost sounds like what's you know uh, what happens in Congress. Ooh, and they think they live by private law. How many know that upsets us? So when you start to live by private law, folks will start getting mad. How come your life's so good? How come it always works out for you? Well, we saw we're not going to do it man's way. We're going to do it God's way. When we have favor with God, when we hook into the bubble, then we will get favor with man. Okay, we're not looking to work the good old boy system. We're not working, you know, trying to work a scam. We just hook up with God, and then He gives us favor with other people. All right, so go to Romans 12 and verse 4. Romans 12 and verse 4. (coughs) 
For as we have been, or we have many members, I'm sorry, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, ministry or service let us wait on our ministering or service, he that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorts on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that rules with diligence, and he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. So we see that your, uh, your gifts are really according to the grace of God, that bubble. When he graces you to do something, it's really his anointing or his presence. You ever heard somebody say, well, I'm going to grace you with my presence at Christmas? God will grace you with his presence. When he shows up, then you'll be in that bubble, and then your gifts will operate. And we saw there's, uh, we're going to talk about that. Buckle up. All right, back up a page over to uh, Romans 11:29. And I know we've gone over this a couple of weeks, but man, there's just so much uh, wrong thinking out there about this. Let's hit it again. It says, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So there's gifts, plural, but there's only one calling. One, it's a universal calling. God calls every... A calling is an invitation. He calls every human being to be part of the body of Christ. You know, that's without repentance. He hasn't recalled that invitation for anybody. Now, I remember over in Matthew where it says that uh, Jesus said that many are, uh, many are uh, what is it? Many are called, but few are chosen. See, I can't even say it in the King James because it's so wrong, I can't even get it out of my mouth. Many are called, but few are chosen. You know, it really reads in the Greek, everyone is called, but few elect. Few choose. Everyone's called, but only a few choose. See, I can't even say it the way that really, I just, you know, I break that down so much that I, it just, ugh. It's like running fingernails down a chalkboard to think that, oh, only a few of you are chosen. That is not God's character. He picks everybody. He loves everybody. Jesus came and he died for everybody. The invitation is for everybody. There's one calling. There's not two callings. There's not three callings. There's not multiple callings. There's one calling. Come on in and be part of the body of Christ. Okay? Now, uh, turn to 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And we saw in past times that that means discipline. So God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and discipline. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. How many ever heard that? We should be partakers of the afflictions of the gospel. I've been brought up on that, but we always leave off this last part. Uh, religious Christians, they always leave off this last part. They always talk about being a partaker of the afflictions. But what? According to the power of God. I'll do that all day long. Bring it on. Because you know what? Power of God will knock out any sickness you got in your body. So, oh yeah, no problem. Bring sickness according to the power of God. Absolutely. Sign me up for that one. Lack? No problem. Because Jesus became poor so that I would be rich. Power of God will knock out lack anytime. Bad relationships? Knock that out of the park. So, Absolutely, I'll be a partaker of the afflictions all day long according to the power of God. But you, you never notice that um, religious Christians, we don't, they don't ever talk about the power. You know why? Because they ain't got none. You don't want to talk about it. You don't even act like it exists. Because you don't have any. You don't understand how to get any. And you don't want, you know, so we just got to get along with the afflictions. That mess you up. Let's keep reading. God help us. 
Who hath saved us, in verse 9, and called us with an holy calling. There we see it again, a singular calling. We're all called to the body of Christ, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So once we're called into the body, we will get a different purpose. Our purpose will change. We saw that. The assignment will change. Whatever your assignment is, that's where the grace goes. Assignment, the purpose, and the grace go together. If you want to be in the bubble, you better obey and do what God told you to do. Whatever, whatever area he's telling you to serve in, when you do that one, the grace will show up. If you depart and decide, it says, not according to our works, if we decide, well, I'm just going to go do something else and that's a really good idea, you're doing it on your own. God won't show up. He's not gracing that because he graces the purpose. He doesn't grace things according to your works. He does it according to his purpose. So right now, I'm, my purpose is to be the pastor of this church. So if I decided tomorrow I'm just going to fly to Africa and hold a miracle crusade, God ain't showing up. He didn't tell me to do that. All of a sudden I decide I want to go do that or do a TV ministry. If he tells me to do a TV ministry, that's something different. But if I just decide according to my works, I'm going to go do that because, you know, we could generate some cash doing that. I got Elvis hair. I got some white boots, snakeskin boots. I could pull that off. No problem. Right? Sell some vials of holy water for 1995. Hallelujah. We take every uh, MasterCard, Visa, American Express. Right? Grace isn't there. The grace isn't there. Okay? So, then we saw that it said that the gifts are without repentance. The gift, Every gift that was here when the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit showed up is still here on the planet. It has not been recalled to heaven. Okay? But it did not say that the gifts in your life are without repentance. Okay? Here's an example. King Saul, right? And David. Saul was anointed to be king. The Holy Spirit was on him. He had the gift to be king. Now he decided he disobeyed, so he left his purpose. Then he decided he was going to do sacrifices and take over the job of the prophet of the priest. Well, he's not the prophet of the priest. He's the king. So he stepped out of his office, decided to do Samuel's office, right? And then what happened? The anointing left him. The gift to be king left him, and it went on David. David was now anointed to be king. Saul was still acting as the king. He wasn't anointed to do it anymore. He left his purpose. Now, the gift to be king is still on the planet, right? So here's the thing. You could disobey and get out of your purpose. God will take those gifts and just put them on somebody else. There's somebody else on the bench. He'll call somebody back up. If he's got to go 16 people deep to find somebody that will do it, he will. That's why it took him 2,000 years to find Abraham. He's not in a hurry, okay? Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. Well, before we do that, all right, Lord. Father, help me with this. Turn to Romans uh, 5. We'll start here. I've got I to gotta lay a foundation before we jump into this. Deep water. <laughs> Glory. Guys, I've got to lay a foundation for this because, man, today we're going we're gonna to see some stuff, and I've got to tackle some serious religious twisted thinking here today, and, it, and really it's over my head. Okay, but I'm going to do what God told me to do. I'm, I'm, I'm out there, Jerry, and I'm loving every minute of it. I'm not. I'm scared, okay? Romans 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. We have access into the grace, into the bubble, to the gifts of God, by faith, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Have any of y'all ever lost a loved one or been through a bad breakup or some tragedy in your life and then you just the Holy Spirit just puts you in a bubble? Have you ever felt that? Okay. Don't, isn't it good being in the bubble? I always joke, go play the Powerball because you can't lose. Everything that you do turns good right then because you're in the bubble. 
That's the grace. That's the ground zero of the glory of God. I mean, you know, it's easy to have confidence. That's what hope is. And to rejoice when you're in the bubble. It, no matter how bad life is, if everything is, you're in that side of that bubble, it's easy to rejoice and have confidence of the glory of God. That's the grace. That's the bubble. How do we get into that? Don't we want to be there? I want to be in that bubble. And I want my bubble to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Because when I walk in, then you'll be part of my bubble. Isn't that nice when other people can get fallout from the glory. That's what we've been talking about. Now, here we go. Luke chapter 1. Well, let's go to Luke chapter 2, and I'll talk about Luke 1. Several weeks ago when we were talking about noble seed, being noble, we saw that Jesus Christ was the firstborn from the dead. Remember when we saw that? That Jesus was the very first human being that was born of the flesh and born of the Spirit. Now, Jesus was born of the Spirit the time that he came out the birth canal because the Holy Spirit was his physical daddy and God was his spiritual daddy. Remember we talked about that? If you don't remember, get the CD. It'll help fill in the blanks. But I need to establish, remember that Jesus, was he always the Son of God since he came out the birth canal? He was the Son of God. His Spirit was alive unto God. He was just like you are now that you've been born again. The only reason we call it born again is because we were born of the flesh and then we were born of the Spirit sometime later. Jesus did both things at the same time. Okay? So, Jesus was a Christian from the time he was born. Right? Okay, so he was born of the Spirit. Now look in Luke uh, chapter 2. And uh, this is about the time between he was eight days old and the time that he was two or three years old. So sometime in there. In Luke 2 and verse 39 it says, And when they had performed all the things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee and their own city of Nazareth. Talking about Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. And the child, that's Jesus, grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Okay? So he, he, he had grace on him. He had favor. Grace of God was on him. Okay? Now, this next part of the story is when he's 12 years old, and uh, they go up to Passover, and then the whole band of folks start going back to Galilee, and then they don't realize Jesus isn't with the pack, and they find him three days later in the temple talking to the Pharisees. Did you all remember that part of the story? Okay? Let's pick up in uh, verse 45, the same chapter. It says, and when they found him not, they turned back to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass after three days, they found him sitting in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. How many know somebody's getting a hiney whipping? Man, you ditch for three days and you ain't done. Somebody's in trouble. You're getting grounded. You're getting something. Huh? And all that heard him in verse 47 were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why have you dealt with us like this? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee with sorrowing. And he said, How is it that you sought me? Don't you know that I'm about my father's business? And look down in verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor or grace with God and man. So if Jesus can increase, we saw that grace was on him when he was a little child. We saw that he had wisdom and understanding when he was 12. And then we see that he increased with favor the grace of God. So if Jesus can increase in the grace, how many know you and I can? Are we above Jesus? So if he increases in the grace, how many know we should increase in the grace? Okay? Now, flip over to uh, Luke 3, just across the page. Jesus says he's born of the Spirit. He's born again. Born of the Spirit because he was born in born flesh, born of the Spirit same time. But he's a Christian just like you and me. Luke 3 and verse 16. 
Jesus answered, or John answered, I'm sorry, saying unto them, Indeed, because they all think that he's the Christ. This is what happens is John's out there baptizing and preaching. They're all like, is he the Messiah? And so he says like this, Indeed, I baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Now, go up to verse 21, or down to verse 21. So he's saying, I'm not Christ. When Christ gets here, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost. He will, he will immerse you in the Holy Spirit. Now, how many know, if it, just like with glory, if you, you, don't, you can't give somebody something you don't have. Can Jesus baptize you in the Holy Ghost if he isn't? At this point, he isn't. How do you know? Because I'm going to read and tell you when he does right now. Verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized and it came to pass, Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was open and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven and said, Thou art my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, did it say a dove came down? No, he said the Holy Spirit came down. And the way that they described it was John saw it as it looked like a dove flying down. Jesus right here. Now, look what. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. Hmm. You're telling me that Jesus was born of the Spirit for 30 years before he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm not telling you that. The Bible's telling you that. He did have wisdom. He had grace, but he was increasing grace. He had understanding. He had no miracles. He had no power. He did not do one miracle until this time. He had no power. Did he have authority? Yes. He had all the authority as the Son of God. He was born of the Spirit. His Spirit was alive unto God. He had no power. Let's keep reading. I'll show you that this bears out in the Scripture. Flip over a page to Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. Now, we had a couple dealings with Jesus. We saw that he, did have, he had grace, he grew in wisdom, and he had understanding. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan. Now, all of a sudden, he's full of the Holy Ghost. He gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. He's immersed in the Holy Ghost. Now he's full. This is the first time the Scripture says that. Before this time, he was increasing in grace. He was increasing in grace. He was increasing in grace. Now he's full. When he got baptized. When he was immersed. See, we got this religious thing, you know, baptized in the Holy Ghost. He was immersed in the Holy Spirit. He's full. Jump down to verse 14. Now, what happened here in between is the temptation where Jesus went head to head with Satan. Let me tell you something. You know why God didn't allow... You know, God says He won't allow you to be tempted more than you can handle. Satan and Jesus did not have a head to head conflict until Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know why? Jesus would have lost. Well, how do you know? Hang on. Verse 14. And Jesus returned from the desert in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Never one time did it talk about him having power until this time. Remember, he, had, he was increasing in grace. He had wisdom. He had understanding. Then he was full of the Holy Spirit. Now he's in power. He didn't have power before then. Did he have authority? Yes. He was the Son of God. Was he born again? Born of the Spirit? Absolutely. If he died when he was 29, he would have went to heaven. But he didn't have any power. Verse 32 of the same chapter. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Now, remember when he was talking to the Pharisees when he was 12, before he was full of the Holy Ghost? They were amazed at his understanding, but they weren't blown away by his power. All of a sudden now, his word has power. Do you, if you've been, ever heard me for more than 10 minutes and you go to some other church that doesn't have power, you know, Andrew's so good. No, you know what it is? I've got power behind my words. It's not that I'm all that sharp, because I'm not. And if you know me more, Patty knew me when I was a knucklehead. That's our favorite saying. Patty's like, I knew him when he was a knucklehead. The only difference is now my words have power. 
Jump down to verse 36. And they were all amazed and spoke amongst themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth unclean spirits to come out. Now, when I was a cop, when I got sworn in, both as a sheriff's deputy and a federal agent, they gave me a badge and credentials. The badge meant that I had authority. Okay? Now, I, was, I had the authority to go make arrests. I had a jurisdiction. I could stop people. I could stop crimes. I could lock people up. But, hey, no, I didn't have any power until they gave me the gun. Do you know what a cop is with a badge without a gun? Mall security. Listen to me. Most of the body of Christ is walking around as mall security. Funny, but true. They have all this authority, and they never got any power. They're walking around without a gun. They have no power to back up their authority. And because of that, we don't want to talk about power. Do you want to talk about something you ain't got? No. Scary stuff. If Jesus had to get baptized with the Holy Ghost before He got power and He could have miracles and He could have authority and power together, don't you think maybe we do? Are we above Jesus? And He, he was 30 years old before He was. So I don't care how long you've been saved or born again. It don't matter. Jesus was saved for 30 years until it was time for Him to go forward and get baptized with the Holy Ghost. He never did one miracle. You think when Jesus was like, you know, 10 years old, his mama said, clean your room, and he did like something off bewitched, and, and his room was clean? You don't see any of that. None of that. He didn't work one miracle until he was baptized with the Holy Ghost after he was 30. Then all of a sudden he's got power. He's not mall security anymore. He's on the beat. Before then he wasn't. Okay? Now, uh, now we got that foundation. We're not above Jesus, right? All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 1. We started here last, we've kind of finished here last week. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this part. You can get the CD from last week and fill in the blanks. Verse 1. Now concerning spirituals. And your Bible probably says spiritual gifts. Cross out gifts. It doesn't exist. It's a capital S with an S on the end. Concerning spirituals. Brethren, I would have you not to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away by these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and no man can say that Jesus is my Lord. It says the Lord, but it really translates my Lord by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts. Circle that one. Gifts is nothing more than miraculous faculties. Any gift of the Holy Spirit works on the inside of you. Inside. There are differences of administration. Circle that one. That's offices, which makes sense. You know, you got the Clinton administration. Clinton was in office. Bush administration. Bush was in office. And we know what the offices are. Apostle, prophet, teacher, two for pastor, right? Bishop and elder, deacon. What else? Service, exhorter, giver, and evangelist. Those are the offices. Those are the administrations of the Holy Spirit. And then there are other Diversities of operations, outward workings. Operations are outward. Gifts are inward. Administrations are offices. That's your purpose. Operations outward. Manifestations outward. 
But it's the same God that worketh all in all. Then look at this. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Who's it given to? For their profit. Every man. Every man, if you're a human being, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is to profit you. And that word manifestation, ooh, it's so religious. What does it mean? Manifestation really means to exhibit or show forth. But the root word manifest, when I was in the Marine Corps, every time that we would uh, get ready to go to a deployment or go to war, we would pack all of our gear up, and then we'd have to have a manifest of what all of our equipment was. Right? That's the root word of manifestation. Manifestation really means showing out all the equipment, breaking out all the equipment. That's what manifestation is. Break out the Conax box. What's in there? It's all of our weapons, all our ammo, all of our supplies. Okay? So... All those three things, gifts, administrations, and operations, they're in the Holy Spirit's inventory. They're inside His inventory. Let's keep reading. Now we've got to correct some of this thinking because your Bible probably says for to one is given and to another someone is something else is given and to another something else is given and to another something else is given. That is not God's character. Anytime that I see something that is out of the character of God, I need to dig into the, the original languages and find out what went wrong with the translation. God doesn't give one to somebody and somebody else. And No. God's more than enough. He gives more to everybody. It's available to everybody. So, I looked, studied it out. Here's what it reads. For who truly... There is no one anywhere in there. I don't know where they got that from, but it says, For who truly is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and more the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, and next the faith by the same Spirit and more the gifts of healing by the same Spirit and more the working of miracles or power and more prophecy and more discerning of spirits and next diverse kinds of tongues and more the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and self same Spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. And I said that's good news because the Holy Spirit will just hand you a tool. He knows what's in the inventory and he knows which thing you need. Do you need a Phillips head screwdriver or do you need a flathead? He'll give you the one that you need. It, if you come out to fight with a screwdriver and you need an M60, that's a problem. And when you're in real time in the fight, you don't have time to... I'll be right back. Let me look at my bag of tricks. Let me go see what's in the box. Oh, you ever try to find something fast like that? Haste makes waste. You get your tail kicked in a fight if you don't, you don't pull the right weapon, the right piece of gear. The Holy Spirit will give you the right piece of gear. Now, we saw that the word of wisdom is this. The Logos is Jesus. That's the word. Jesus was the word. In the beginning was the word. Right? John 1.1. 1, 1. The word of wisdom means supreme intelligence and skill. We've seen that before. But while you're on the fly, the Holy Spirit will give you a shot of Jesus' supreme intelligence and skill. When you need it. In real time. When you're at work. Whatever it is you're doing. Help you cheat on a test, Wes. I say cheating because it's not available to everybody. Only people that are born again and have power. Next thing is what? Word of knowledge says Jesus is, it really means science, the workings of what happens. Jesus knows how everything works. Brain surgery to him is like finger painting. He could do brain surgery as easy as Michaela can scribble on my, my wall. Thank God she doesn't. That's the word of knowledge. Right? And then we went on, uh, these are gifts. And the next is faith. That works on the inside. We talked about that. Gifts of healings, that's an operation. It's a free healing. Working of power or miracles, that's an operation. Prophecy is an operation because it's outward. Discerning of spirits is inward. That's like your lie detector. It says you can discern, have judicial estimation of, a, of somebody's intents of their heart. 
Not just demons and angels, but how many know there's human spirits on the planet too? Tell you when somebody's lying? Tell you when somebody's fixing to throw you under the bus? You'll know it. Discerning of spirits. You will. You'll know it up front. That's what this gift is in operation. That's a gift. It's on the inside. Then what? Diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. These are operations. They're outward. Okay? Now, we finished off talking about all those, and I made a mention of tongues last week, and I said, we don't have time to get into it. It was 20 after 11. All right? Before we get into it, because I'm going to talk about it, I'm going to throw out this warning to you all, all right? Turn to Matthew 12. We're going to read what Jesus says about this, and then you all, you know, this ain't what I'm saying. Matthew 12. Well, let's start in verse 23. And all the people were amazed and, and said, Is this not the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow, talking about Jesus, does not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. Now, casting out demons is a working of power. That's one of the operations of the Holy Spirit. He didn't cast out one demon until he was baptized with the Holy Ghost. What he's doing is operating in power, and he's working a miracle. Some people got healed. They were gifts of healings when a deaf spirit or a dumb spirit, and all of a sudden they weren't blind anymore, they weren't deaf anymore. Okay? So he's working in operations of the Holy Ghost. Now, And they said, he's doing this by the devil. Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he's divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judge. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Or else, how can anyone enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except first he bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad." Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy, you could talk trash all you want, shall be given, forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speak a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven. Whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it will not be forgiven, neither in this world nor in the one to come. Here's your warning. Make talk trash all you want about Jesus. You could talk trash all you want about God. I'm about to talk to you about speaking in tongues. And in this town, people say that it's of the devil. Here's your warning. Jesus talking. You could say it's of the devil. It will not be forgiven you. And in Mark, you can look it up in Mark chapter 3. It says you're in danger of eternal damnation. You want to get on the fast track to hell? Talk trash about the Holy Ghost. He doesn't say that anywhere else in the Bible. You can make fun of tongues all you want. Guess what? You'll wake up in hell. I don't care how long you've been born again. I'm reading the Bible. Now, I know it's nobody in this room, but somebody on the Internet will read this, listen to this and talk trash about it. And go, oh, that tongue stuff, that's of the devil. I was brought up on that. That's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. And you know what? Don't make fun of it either. It's Jesus talking. Now that we've had that warning, are we all ready to receive? Glory. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. 
Though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries. That's the interpretation of tongues. Just a side thought. And all knowledge. And though I have faith so that I could remove mountains, and I don't have love, I am nothing. Okay? So listen. You can have all these things. You can have all the gifts, all the operations. You could be in, you know, as an apostle, a prophet, pastor. You can be in whatever office you are, and you're not walking in love. You're zip, not a nothing, zero. Okay? We need to, you know, love first, all this stuff, byproducts. Jump down to verse 8. Love never fails. But whether there be prophets, or prophecies, I'm sorry, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease, and whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away with or to be rendered entirely idle. Now this verse is where all my Baptist upbringing, and I'm going to bust on them because that's who I came out of. They use this, oh, that one perfect has come. See, when the Word of God comes, then tongues will cease. Really? Let's read the list. Prophecies will fail. You could argue whether they do or not. Tongues will cease. We could argue that one. But knowledge will vanish away. Has knowledge vanished? Does anybody know what 2 plus 2 is? If you know what 2 plus 2 is, knowledge has not vanished. And in fact, the opposite is happening right now in our day and age. It's increasing exponentially. So if knowledge didn't vanish as an increase, then we could almost probably say that tongues is increasing and so is prophecies. And I know they are because that's what the, the Bible says in the end times it will. Okay? Now, that's the first argument. The second one out of this, I'm just going to blow this argument out of the water. It says, for we know in part, we prophesy in part, but that which is perfect has come, then that which we do in part will be done away with. Did you notice in that list of in part and end part was knowing and prophesying? It didn't say one thing about tongues? Did you see that? So here, your other argument, well, if it is the Bible that's perfect has come, and we, you know, we prophesy in part, that's done away with, and we know in part, that's done away, we know we don't know in part. But if we did, tongues ain't on that list. So it's still here. It ain't going anywhere. Okay? Now, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 1. Let's find out what this whole thing about tongues and interpretation is. It's not near as spooky as we all try to make it out to be. Follow after love and desire, and your Bible again will say spiritual gifts, cross out gifts. It's the same exact word. Desire spirituals, capital S with an S on the end of it. Desire spirituals. So he wouldn't tell you to desire them if he wasn't going to give them to you. God's not like that. Ooh, you want some candy? Oh, never mind. Just kidding. God, don't do that. That's stupid. He's telling you to desire them so it's available to everybody. But rather that you prophesy. He's going to talk about tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. Here's the first time he says this a couple times. I'd rather that you prophesy. Okay? For he... Now we're talking... You'll see this will become clear that he's talking about in church. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries or secrets. So here all tongues is, is encrypted communication with God. Okay, World War II, we broke the Japanese code. We knew where the fleets were going. It was called magic. We had, if you had a magic clearance, you knew you were able to know that we even broke the code. There's only a few people that knew it. You know why that's important? So we know what the enemy's doing. And we can counteract what they're doing. How many know when you pray, the devil listens in? You want to know how he knows every move that you're making? Because when you're telling God in whatever language you know, he, are, he knows what you're playing. He knows, he can, and he can stop it in a heartbeat. Why is this so important? Because it's encrypted communication with heaven. Encrypted. Now look, it says, speaks to who? God. Not man, God. So this whole thing about 
oh, there's a public side of tongues and a private side of tongues. It ain't prophecy. You're speaking to God. Prophecy, you speak to man. Listen to me. When you prophesy, it is words as a divine utterance from God to man. When you speak in tongues, it's a divine utterance from man to God. We got it backwards sometimes. I'm just reading the Bible. There's so much kooky thinking about this. We, where he have not been taught. With it. Nope. It's talking to God. And then it says this. No man understands him. It is not Italian. It ain't French. It's not Cherokee. And it's not some dialect on the backside of Zimbabwe where only one guy left speaks the dialect. It says no man can understand you. It is not a known language. You know, we've heard, oh, I've got to do you know, tongues in French. No, you don't. That's stupid. Oh, I need some Cherokee. No, you don't. That's stupid. Do you think that the devil doesn't know Cherokee? The whole point of this is that you speak mysteries to God, that you have encrypted communication. It's in code. That's the whole point. Verse 3, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto to men, which is what I just said. If you prophesy, you speak unto men. If you're speaking in tongues, you speak unto God. So why would you come into church and think that you're prophesying by yelling out in tongues and then getting interpretation and that you're talking to men? All the interpretation is is decoding the encryption. All you're doing is sharing with us what you just prayed to God. He that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification or building up and to exhortation and comfort. That word comfort means to help or render aid. So when you prophesy, which is a divine utterance, from God to man, that's what's going on right now. When you speak, and it happens to you every day, it will. Prophecy isn't just telling the future like Nostradamus. What it is is you are getting a word from God and then giving it to somebody, and you probably don't even realize you're doing it most of the time. You ever have something come up out of your spirit and you just tell them the right thing? And you'd be like, wow, I don't know, that just came up out of me. I would never say that. But it was the right thing that they needed to hear. That's prophesying. Because it built them up, or it exhorted them, it edified them, or it brought aid. He that speaketh in verse 4 in an unknown tongue edifies himself. So when you're talking in tongues, who are you edifying? Who are you charging up? Yourself. And that word edify means to charge up like a battery. Charge up like a battery. You ever feeling run down? Go talk in tongues. It'll charge you right up. Don't do it in front of all us, though. But he that prophesieth edifies the church or builds up, charges like a battery, the entire church. Verse 5. I would that you all speak with tongues, but rather you prophesy. So in church, let's have prophecy. I want you all to speak with tongues, possible. I want you all to speak with tongues. This is the second time he said, but I'd rather you prophesy. In church. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speak with tongues, except the interpret that the church may receive the edification. When you build yourself up and then you give us the interpretation, great, we find out how you built yourself up. Good. I mean, that's better than not knowing how you built yourself up. But look what he says. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? You should put a period right there or a question mark. If I come to you speaking in tongues, what do I profit you? He doesn't. Except, here's how he profits you, that I speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or prophesying or doctrine, which is teaching. So here it is. In church, this is how, he'd rather, this is how it's going to profit us in church. Revelation, 
Do you guys get any revelation in here? Have you? You know what? It's because you understand what's being said. Was in tongues? There's no revelation. We all think I'm a kook. Knowledge? Y'all getting any knowledge? Knowledge of God? Prophesying? Yeah, he's giving us stuff on the fly. And how about this one? Doctrine. That's teaching. We do some teaching in here too, right? That'll how, that's how it'll profit us in church. Verse 7. Even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp or electric guitar, except they be given a distinction in sound or tones, how shall we know what is piped or harped or played? So an instrumental. Yeah, you ever have a Kenny G album at home? You know, you know the ones that sell good are the ones that we know the songs? Because <laughs> when he's playing a saxophone, if you don't know the song, all it is is just some noise in the background. That's what Paul's saying tongues is. It's background noise. Then he gives another example. He says, For if a trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? Now back to the military. You know, back in the day before we had satcom and cell phones and radios, they used to blow a bugle to let everybody know we're going. Or they blow a bugle to say, we're getting out of here. Or everybody go left. He said, if the trumpet blows it, you know, what? some guy blows surprise Indian drill and he meant to say charge. How I many know people are putting the britches on when they should be going out to battle? That's what is it? That's what will happen in church. You come in here talking in tongues, all acting crazy. We won't know what to do. Verse 9, So likewise ye, except you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood. Now, even in the King James you can understand that, can't you? I mean, that's pretty plain. And even in the King James we get that one. We don't have to even look in the NLT for that. <laughs> With your tongue use words easy to be understood in church. How shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. There are, my Friday night crowd, it may be so many kinds of voices in the world, none of them without signification. Therefore I know, not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaks unto me shall be a barbarian. He said, you come in here acting like that, it'll be like two cavemen talking to each other. Now, I, I did some uh, traveling internationally. You ever been in a country where you don't speak the language? And you try to communicate with them? You start going down to caveman, grunts and pointing. Huh? Have you ever done... Because uh, uh, you can't even write, you can't speak, so you're pointing at whatever it is you want. Water. Uh, uh, water. Huh? Me, Andrew. Yeah. Funny, but that's what Paul said. All right, let's keep reading. Even so, for as much as you are zealous of spirituals, same thing, it says spiritual gifts, cross out gifts, capital S, spirituals. Even though you're zealous of spirituals. Listen, if you're zealous or you're a zealot, man, you are over the top. These folks were over the top with operations and gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. He said, even though you are, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Here's the number one priority is to build up the church. Number one priority. No matter how excited you are over the manifestations of the Holy Ghost, no matter how much we don't want to miss God, number one priority is to build up the church. I've heard this said, well, I'd rather have a little wildfire than no fire at all. Wrong! Paul says, no fire. If you can't control it, don't even start it. Number one priority in the church, excel and edify the church. Number one priority. Not trying to shut anything down, but if we're not sure that we're sure that we're sure, then sit down and shut up. That's how folks get messed up. Because, I mean, I've been to these Holy Ghost meetings. It ain't God. Somebody got excited. Great. Do that in your living room. Just reading the Bible. Verse 13. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. All right. 
I've always been taught, again, that, you know, oh, pray that you may interpret. Sometimes you may get the interpretation wrong. You know what? Because now I start believing that. I had faith to believe sometimes. Before he even talks about what praying in unknown tongues is, because he's going to tell you what it is, he tells you pray to interpret first. You're the one doing the praying. You have a right to know what the encrypted communication is that's going up. A couple months ago, got time for a story? It was like August. Man, it was hot, okay? Hot. I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, freezing cold. Death, sweat, cold, you know, just cold. I put on my warmest stuff, and I, I, I tried to get back in bed and put the down comforter on. Still couldn't get warm. God's like, go downstairs and pray, stupid. I need you to pray. Okay. So I went to the basement where it was the warmest place in the house. Plus it was 3 o'clock in the morning. I didn't want to wake anybody up. Started praying in tongues. I'm like, Father, I need to know what I'm praying for because I ain't getting out of bed not knowing what I'm praying for. Otherwise, I'm going back to bed. So I don't know who it was, but somebody in the Middle East was about to die. I prayed until I got a release, and he said, go on back to bed. They're, they're fine. I don't know who it was. I might find out in heaven. But I knew what I was praying for. Otherwise, what am I, you know, I'm like, God, I'm not in for that. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. Love you, but I love my bed too. And if you're not going to let me in on this, I have a need to know. I'm the one that's given the communication. You can and should interpret. You should know what it is that you're praying. Not sometimes, always. It should always come up on the inside of you. For me, it's always like a mental picture. It's like a vision. In my, uh, I say mental because I see it not out here visibly, but I see it on the inside of me. Oh, that's what it is. That's what I'm praying. And when I'm praying for you all, your faces will pop up when I'm praying for you. Do I know exactly all your details? No, because God's nice about that. Aren't you glad he doesn't tell everything? That you, I'm glad he don't tell you about everything. About me. But you should know who you're praying for. You should interpret. You have the right to. You're the one praying. He tells you that first. Interpret. Pray that you would interpret first. Then look. Verse 14, he says, For if I pray, who does the praying? I do. In an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. It means unless you're getting the interpretation, your mind will just be all over the place. That ain't God either. He never tells you to be idle. In fact, everywhere in the Bible, he tells you don't be idle. Why would you want your mind idle? Turn to Romans, uh, let's look at this, Romans 8. Romans 8. Verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. That's the whole point of this. Why do we have encrypted communication? Why would we, know, why would we want to speak in tongues? Oh, this is you know, kooky and crazy. Because he says, The Spirit helps our infirmities. I mean, no, I don't know. Man. I've got some weaknesses. I'm not perfect, and I don't know everything that there is to know. God does. The Holy Spirit does, and he's going to help us out. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Have you ever been in the spot where you just don't know what to pray for somebody? They, I mean, you're just so frustrated. You, I'm, I don't know what to pray. They're just not doing right. I don't know. I, can I take authority of them? Or I can't. I don't know what to do. How do I get them born? I don't know. How do I get them to do right? I don't know what to pray. You're looking at bills? I don't know. What, it, what do I do about these bills? I, I don't know. What I know what the Word says. I'm saying that, but I don't know how to pray. How do I pray in the answer? I don't know how to... <clears throat> he said, But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, and it says in the Greek, with articulate speech. 
It's talking about talking in tongues. When you don't know how to pray as you ought, the Holy Spirit doesn't. He'll help you out. He'll give you the encrypted communication on how to pray, and then you should get the interpretation so you know what you are praying. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what the mind of the Spirit is. Now listen, I've heard this. That's not a capital S there. It's a small s. He that searches the hearts, how do you know the Holy Spirit knows what his mind is? That's just stupid. Oh, he that searches the hearts knows what his mind is. Of course he does. He knows his mind. He's trying to help you know yours. He, he searches your heart and he knows what the mind or the thoughts and the intents of your spirit is. That's what we're trying to get to because if you've been here on Friday nights, you find out we're really not that good at hearing the voice of our spirit because we have not trained ourselves to hear that one. We hear all the outside voices. So we hear everything in our mind when we hear something in our spirit. He's church, searching our hearts of our spirit, knows what the mind of our spirit is so it could come out. He that searcheth the hearts knows the mind of the heart or the spirit, human spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, that's not what that really says either. See that word intercession? That's not the same word as intercession up top. Intercession up top means he's interceding, praying for you. Down here, it means he's conferring with, on behalf of the saints daily with God. So he and God the Father get into a conference every day. When he finds out what your heart is and he's going to give you that, he and God talk about it, then he gives you utterance to pray, pray the encrypted communication. It says he and God daily, they cover a conference about you. Then he'll come back and give you the utterance to pray. In tongues, encrypted communication. That's what that says. Now look at this. Boy, we've got this all crazy and out of whack. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them that are called according to His purpose. You're called into the body and you're doing your purpose, then all things will work together for your good. If you're not, sorry. You can love God all you want. We forgot that other part. All tied in with speaking in tongues. How are you even going to know your purpose? If he's searching your heart, you don't know what your purpose is. He knows. His spirit will talk to your spirit. The only way you're going to get that out is really when you're praying in tongues and then he'll give you the interpretation. When you're telling God and he's searching your heart, he conferences with God, it'll come out inside of you what your purpose is. You don't, you have a struggle with what your purpose is? Start praying in encrypted communication to God. At home, not in church. Because he says it doesn't help anybody. Go back to 1 Corinthians 14. In verse 14. Well, let me throw the interpretation is not translation. I'll just throw that out there. Okay? It's not translate. You're not going to get a word for word verbatim. He'll give you an idea of what's going on. That's what interpretation is totally different than verbatim. You're not getting a transcript, okay? Just so you know. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I'll sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. So when I pray, I don't get five sentences out in English. I'll tell you what, because I don't know how to pray. And when I pray in English, here's the two things that I'll pray with my understanding. I will pray the word verbatim, like the Ephesians prayer, the visions prayer, the vision prayer. I'll pray the word verbatim. Then I'm off into tongues. You know why? Because I don't know how I ought to pray. And it's really too much work for me to try and drum up and think up what it is that I should pray over you. Because if I'm not praying the Word, it's a waste of time. I'm, I'm really tripping you up. Unless I'm speaking the Word over you in English, I don't know how what God's plan is for you. So when I pray, 
with my understanding. It's usually just praying the word, or I'll say out the interpretation. When I'm praying in tongues, your face will come up, and I'll be, yeah, Father, praying for Wes right now. I don't know what he needs, but let's get back into it, and then go right back into tongues. Acknowledge. I'll say that out, and sometimes I'll say out the interpretation just to myself. No one else is around. I will sing with the Spirit, and I'll sing with the understanding also. When I'm up here half the time, I'm not singing with the understanding. I am singing in the Spirit. Does it bother any of y'all? None of y'all even knew I was doing it, did you? Because that's really true heart worship. The, under, the words up there, they're awesome. But you know what it does? It helps me get to the point where I can enter in, and then I'll worship God out of spirit and in truth. And if I'm worshiping out of my spirit, I'm not worshiping out of my mind or my emotions. Verse 16. Else when you shall bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understands not what you say? Anybody else in the room hears you? It ain't helping them one little bit. Just reading the Bible. For verily you gave thanks well. Paul said, good job. You are giving thanks well. You are worshiping God out of your spirit. That is awesome. But the other person is not edified. They're not built up. And remember, what's our number one priority? That everybody in the church would be built up? I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than all y'all. <laughs> it says you all, but it's kind of southern. So Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all y'all. Yet in church, now this is the Apostle Paul, yet in church I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than with 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. He said, it's better for me to come in here and say, hi, how are you, glory, and go home than come in here and spend an hour speaking in tongues. Verse 20, brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice, be ye children. But in understanding, be men or grown-ups. I mean, my kids, they don't really hold a grudge. Kids don't hold a grudge. They don't have malice. Okay? In the law it is written, and it says in the King James, with men of other tongues, men of is added, cross it out. With other tongues and other lips... I will speak unto this people. That's out of Isaiah 28, verse 11. And yet, for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. He said, I'll pour this out on you, and you still won't hear me. Y'all are dumber than a sack of hammers. That's what he's saying. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but unto them that believe not. Prophesying serve not to them that believe not, but for them that which believe. It is a sign. Oh, yeah, it's a big flashing neon sign. You walk into a room and everybody's talking in tongues, and you, you don't, you're not a believer? I don't know what's going on in there. Anybody remember the first time you went into a, a, a meeting like that? I've been. What is going on in here? It's a sign. It's a big flashing neon sign. You bet it is. He says, for if the whole church comes together in verse 23 into one place, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers. Now, how I many you know you could be a believer for a long time and be unlearned? I was. Will they not say that you are mad? And the Greek says, will they not say you're raving maniacs? Of course they will. They'll say you're all a bunch of raving maniacs. Listen, nowhere in the Word, have you, ever got, have you gotten the impression here at all that we should be having wild, crazy, you know, running around, screaming, doing backflips, the band, the band, do you see the light and all that, pom-poms and Chris Crook? No. No. God says the opposite. Not trying to get baptism. No, we should have power. We should see all these things, but we better know that it's God, and we better do it in a way that it doesn't throw other people under the bus. Verse 24, But if all prophesy, 
And there come in one that believeth not. So we're prophesying. Somebody comes in. He said, even if you're all talking, you're all talking in English or your known language, and somebody comes in, they're not a believer or somebody that's not learned. He is convinced of all and he is judged of all or he examines himself because he can understand what's going on. And all the secrets of his heart are made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he'll worship God and report to God that God is in you of a truth. Now, wouldn't we rather have somebody helped and get born again than having our little show? How is it then, brethren? Now, look at this. They put a question mark right there after brethren. Now, that is just... I, I See, I don't understand some of what these guys were thinking back then. But, you know, they didn't have Starbucks or whatever. Maybe they were having a caffeine lapse. How is it that brethren... That's a comma. How is it then, brethren? That's not a question mark. That's a comma. When... I mean, when is also a question, too. What are the five journal? Who, what, where, why, when? It's a question. How is it then, brethren, when you come in together, every one of you has a psalm or a doctrine or a tongue and a revelation and a psalm or interpretation? Hey, how is it that you all have... Everybody has something to say. How is that? He said, let all things be done unto the edifying. So if everybody's got something to say and everybody's going to do that, he said, how does that edify anybody? If everybody's got a tongue and interpretation of prophecy and a psalm and everybody's... You ever been in one of them services? Oh, it's like pulling teeth. Everybody's going to get up and get their 15 minutes of fame and they're all, oh, I got lost in the woods, but praise God, I found my way out. It's the woods in your backyard, lady. I've been in a service where that very thing was said. Do you remember that? Oh, we got an hour drive home, people. Verse 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, if if you just have to, let it be by two or the most three, and that by course. That word course means to be called on upon an order. So if you ain't called on, if you just have to, wait till you're called on. Okay? They even do this in Congress. You can't just get up and start talking till you're called on. Okay? He said, and let one interpret. Then look what it says next. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. You've got to know that there's an interpreter before you open up your mouth and start doing the untie my bow tie and all that stuff. He says, you better know it. How are you going to know? Well, chances are it would probably be you. And if you already have the interpretation, <laughs> then really you don't need to speak out in the tongue, do you? Just reading the Bible. Then verse 29, let the prophets. So there's more than one prophet in this church apparently. Tons of them. Speak two or three. And let the others, there's an S on the end of that. Not let the other judge, but let the others. That's all of us judge. Have judicial estimation or discernment. We should not, you say what you're going to say, and then we'll all judge whether it's the word or not. Not, oh, God's called you to get married to so-and-so. All right, I can discern that. No. God, don't do that. Uh-uh. Now, he'll tell you who you're supposed to marry. He ain't going to tell somebody else. Now, he might tell you through a prophet, hey, that thing you were praying for, that's a go-ahead. And the prophet have no idea what he's talking about. He's just giving you a divine honor. What you were praying for, go ahead and do that. Or you know what? Not a good idea. Whatever deal you're about to jump into, don't do that one. If anything be revealed to another that sits by, let the first hold his peace. Hmm. Now, we've got to correct this one coming up. It says, for... Ye may all prophesy one by one. It doesn't say that at all. It says this. No doubt you are all able to prophesy. Every single one of you are able to prophesy. Isn't that good news? Every single one of you, you're able to prophesy. But after the manner of only one, that all may learn 
and all may be comforted or helped or had aid rendered to them. After the manner of one. That's what we do now. That's what we do in church. We have one person get up. It's just easier that way for everybody to learn. If you learned anything, did you get help? It's because there isn't a lot of commotion going on. And the Spirit that says in the King James, the spirits of the prophets, I don't know. That's the same word for Holy Spirit. The Spirit, capital S, of the prophets. Because there's not spirits of prophets. There's only one that gives you the utterance. It's the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. You don't have to talk. Somebody jump up, well, the Holy Spirit made me do it. No, He didn't. He don't make you do nothing. God does not make any person do anything. He's subject to you. That means in any of these gifts or operations, He's subject to you. You can either cooperate or not. So don't, he says, so don't be like, oh, you know, remember what was that old saying? Oh, the devil made me do it. These people were kind of go, oh, the spirit made me do it. Yeah, no, he didn't. No. I mean, the devil didn't make you do nothing either. And look at this. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. And that word confusion means this, commotion, tumult, or unquietness. God is not writing a play for our church where we're all unquiet and there's commotion and there's tumult. Not just our church, but how many churches? All churches of the saints. So if you're not doing that, is it a church of the saints? I don't know. Maybe you could chew on that for a while on your, on your own time. But he says in all the churches of the saints, God's not doing that. So square it away, guys. That's what he's telling the Corinthians. Now, Oh, we've got a couple more minutes. Let's, we'll just keep going. John 20. Now we're talking about entering the bubble. This is the entrance into the bubble. Being baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Tongues is at the bottom of the list. Remember on that list in, in uh, Corinthians? He listed it last. Paul does stuff in opposite order. It is the entrance into all the operations. It is the entrance into all those gifts. It is the entrance into the bubble. If you cannot have encrypted communication, it makes sense. Militarily, that's the first thing we do when we get anywhere is we set up our comm. We set up communications. Isn't that right, Les? Isn't that what we do? We make sure we have communication. Why? Because if you, I can't talk to each other, we got a huge mess on our hands. The very first thing is you've got to establish a communication line with heaven, and it's encrypted, and it goes both ways. That's what the interpretation is. Okay, that's the entrance into working all this. Now, you could be saved for a long time and operate on a very low level of grace because, remember, Jesus had wisdom. And he had understanding and he did have grace. So you can operate in some internal gifts, but you will never operate in the operations of the whole. You'll never see gifts of healings. You'll never work power. You'll never prophesy. You, you can't until you have power. You'll have authority, but you don't have power. Okay? All right. John 20, verse 21. Then Jesus said to them again, now he's already rose from the dead. He's coming back to visit them uh, in... in uh, one of the rooms there, and he said, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. At that instant, these folks became born again. Jesus had just ascended to his Father, if you read the verse before it, sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat, came back down, breathed on them, said, Now you can be born again. Before that, they couldn't be born again. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever you retain, they are retained unto them. Now, Acts chapter 1. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, 
which he said you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now they're already born again. They have authority, but they don't have power. He told them, don't even come out of this room until you have power. I've been out there for 30 years. Wasn't fun. You sit up here and you wait till you get power. Otherwise, you're going to get your lunch eaten. You know why there's so much problem with this today? Because the devil, the, the only thing, once you get power, you are dangerous to him. He can no longer control anything in your life. He can't even control hearing what you're saying to God. He can't even eavesdrop. So he, the devil has twisted this so bad that most of the body of Christ has fallen for it. They don't get power. And that's what keeps them ineffective. That's the whole point of this whole thing. Is that the devil has tried... Because if you can't stop it, the only thing you can do is try and trick somebody out of it. Jesus said, man, just wait here till it comes. Because, man, you get, don't do it. It's yucky out there. In verse 6, And when they were come together, and they asked of him, saying, Lord, will at this time you restore the kingdom of Israel? They just don't get nothing. He said unto them, It's not for you to know the times of the seasons, but the Father hath put that in his own power. But you shall receive power. There it is, Jesus saying it, not me. You'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then you can go be witnesses unto me. You want to be witnesses? You better get your power first. That's why missionaries die on the mission field because they ain't got no power. I know, I was one of them. Brought up in a family, one of them. We ain't no power. We're out there getting tossed and turned. Oh, we're suffering for Jesus. That's the only thing we could hold on to, the afflictions of the gospel. Yeah, we forgot about power. We don't talk about power because we don't have any. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were with all one accord in one place, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Was it a rushing mighty wind? No, it was a sound. And it filled all the house that they were sitting, and it appeared unto them cloven tongues like as unto fire, and it sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were all dwelling at Jeru- and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men. Circle that, devout men, because what's going to happen here is you're going to see interpretation of tongues. These guys were old covenant believers. They didn't even know you could be born again yet. So what Jesus did was give them the interpretation of tongues. Devout men went out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together. They were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. Were they speaking in their own language? No, they heard them speak. What it is is they had their understanding enlightened. Oh, I know what they're saying. I know what they're saying. Because we know the tongues you speak to God, not man. That it's mysteries. They were getting the interpretation of tongues. You know what? There was other guys there that weren't. Look down. Oh, this is verse 7. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one another, Behold, not all these which are speak are Galileans. Aren't these guys a bunch of rednecks from Galilee? How is it that they can speak French? They ain't cultured up there. They're some fishermen. They don't know nothing. How could we hear this? And they said, How do we hear every man in our own tongue and where we were born? Then it lists all those places. Verse uh, 11, it says, Cretes and Arabians. It says, We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. They were getting the interpretation of tongues. Not everybody did. How do you know? Because look at the next crowd. The next group that were standing by that weren't devout, they weren't believers. It says, They were all amazed and were in doubt. And they said one to another, What means this? They were mocking them. They said, They're full of wine. These boys are drunk. They didn't get the interpretation of tongues. Because if they did, they wouldn't have said they're drunk. They would have heard them magnifying God. So the, the people that had interpretation, they weren't saying they were drunk. It was the people that were standing around that were unlearned and unbelievers. They're like, these guys are mad. And then Peter stood up and then he preached to them. 
And they preached to him Jesus. And you know that verse where we're saying there was 3,000 souls added to the church that day? That was this day. You know who was added? Those devout men that had interpretation of tongues. And it all started out. They got power. That was the entrance into power was speaking in other tongues. It is not some, it's not kooky. It is not hard. Okay? Jesus wants to baptize. It's as fast. It'll happen as fast as you're getting born again. It's that. People say, oh, you've got to tarry. you got to. No. That's wrong. It'll happen as fast. He'll give it to you as fast as you receiving getting born again. It's available to you. Now, I'd be remiss if we walked out of here today because now hopefully we've got some faith. We've got some word to do this. If you don't, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you don't speak in other tongues and you want to, then come down here and I will lay hands on you. And that fast, it'll happen. We're not going to wait around. It's not kooky. It's not crazy. No one's going to make fun of you. And I don't care if you've been born again 90 years. Jesus was 30 years on the planet before he came forward. And so don't, I don't care what anybody else thinks. It don't matter to me. Does it matter to you if you get everything that God has for you? Should it matter? And if somebody does, and they do think something of you, they're in danger of damnation. You don't make fun of this stuff. Remember we saw that. If it was good enough for Jesus, it should be good enough for How can we be like Jesus in this world? We need to really be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's available to you. Stand to your feet with me. Now I'm going to give some instruction before I give the altar call here, okay? And I don't know if anybody comes or they don't come. It doesn't matter. But here's how, here's how it will work. I'll lay hands on you. I'll pray that you'll be filled. The Holy Spirit will come into you that fast. Out of your heart, He'll start giving you stuff that just sounds like it's crazy. Like baby talk. And in fact, in, in uh, Isaiah, in one translation, it does say it's baby talk. Da, da, boo, boo, da. Eh. Whatever starts coming up out of you, you're the one that has to talk. Open up your mouth. Yield to that. And it'll start flowing. Okay? I'm not even going to drop. You know, when, I, when, when this happened to me, I was outside the E-Club in Okinawa, outside a bar, 19 years old. This boy took me through the Scripture. Baptist boy. I said, you know what? If it's in the Bible, I believe it. You want to know why I have power? That's why. You want to know how I can have this revelation up? That's why. You want to walk in victory? Do that. And let me tell you, if you say, well, I got the tongues once, then come down here and get another drink. It's all right. He'll fill you up again and again and again. And, if, and let me encourage you, if you're not, listen, if you're not having this prayer time where you have encrypted communication with God, you are handcuffing yourself. If you want to know why life's not going good for you, get back into that. Start, start praying that way. You don't know how you should pray anyway, do you? No. After about five minutes, you'd be like, ah, oh, I'm, uh, I don't know. Huh? All right. So if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost and you want to, and with this encrypted communication, come on down here and I'll lay hands on you and it'll be that fast.